amen. Do me a favor, just stand with me real quick. Stand with me real quick and just, just raise your hands up to God. Y'all can continue to play, that's cool. And just begin to thank him. Just begin to thank him for who he is. Just begin to thank him for what he's done. Our God is our supply. And I want you just to take a moment just to spend a little time with him. Just receiving what you need from him right now. Sometimes we can rush into rush through things, looking for answers, yet the answer has already been supplied to you. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Father God, we thank you for Jesus in this place. We thank you for grace, Lord. We just give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We thank you for victory, Lord. We thank you for victory, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. We give you glory. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy of all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Hosanna, the highest, we lift you up. We thank you, Jehovah. We thank you. Our needs are supplied. We thank you our bodies are healed. We thank you that our minds are at ease. We thank you, Lord, that our children are blessed. We thank you, Lord, that we're blessed on the job. We declare peace right now. Peace right now. Peace right now. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. We receive it. We believe it. We believe it and we receive it. We believe it and we receive it right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you agree with that, just begin to thank Him right now. Just begin to thank Him right now. Just begin to thank Him. But I want to tell you, it's already worked out. Amen. It's already worked out. You've already overcome. You've already won. Thank you, God. Lord, we receive that victory from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated if you can. Amen. Somebody said, why you do that? You know, sometimes it's important just to stop and just make sure we're focused in on the right thing and the right one. You know, church is awesome. And coming to church is awesome. Somebody said, but I hear a butt coming behind that. How can you put a butt behind church? I don't know, but I'm about to. <laughs> church is awesome, but, but sometimes you can come to church looking for the next principle or the next thing to fix your situation. And you can forget that your situation is already fixed because of Jesus. Amen? Now we come here to hear about what he's already done. We come to hear about who we already are. I said who you already are. 
You're not becoming like Christ. You already are. You're not becoming a child of God. You already are. You're not becoming saved. You already are. What we're doing is learning who we already are. And then we're accepting the challenge to be who we are. But there's a convincing that has to take place. And that's, that's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's, you know, the, the benefit, you know, of coming to church and, and hearing the word of God preached and builds up your faith. But I need you coming and going already knowing that it's finished. I said, I need you coming and going already knowing that it's finished. Because if we have this mentality that it's, it's still something that I must do, then that's when we unfortunately can get in the way of what God is doing. It is finished concerning your life. I don't know why we're going this way, but it must be for somebody. But it's finished concerning your life. So stop trying to earn it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Stop trying to fix it. Somebody's trying, you're trying to fix it all. Stop trying to fix it. The greatest mechanic that ever was is Jesus, and he's already fixed everything concerning your life. He's giving you the, nece uh, the necessary tune-up. The Holy Spirit is working on the inside of you to change you. You've been trying to change yourself all these years, and it ain't worked yet. So why don't you give him a chance? He's already taken the responsibility to do it, so let him do it. You stop working so hard. You're his son. You're his daughter. He wants you to rest. Somebody say, go to sleep. I, I don't know if that's exactly what it means in that sense, but if that's what it is to you, yes, do what he said. He wants you to rest. But he's really talking about rest from your, your labor of trying to fix stuff and work stuff out and, 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 and trying to work out your own, you know, the Bible says work out my salvation. Read the whole thing. It's, it's not talking about trying to fix something that he's already fixed. How can it be finished but there's still work to do? I said, how can it be finished but there's still something you got to do? about you, man, but I got faith in God. I got faith in Christ. And I am convinced and daily convicted by the Holy Ghost that they did a complete work concerning my life. And that faith moves me to daily believe on them. No matter what situations look like, no matter what circumstances look like, I can't move off of my faith and so I just keep believing. Archie, how you know it's going to work out? Well, I believe God. How you know this is going to work out? Well, I believe what Jesus did, and I believe it worked. But, but there is no but when it comes to my faith. I said there is no but when it comes to our faith. A but in your faith is doubt. It's called unbelief, and that's, that's dangerous for a believer. So I want you to trust God. Have faith in him. That's, that's all God wants. Have faith in me and what I did. And you will see the manifestations of grace all over your life. God, I, I don't think you understand. Somebody say, when are you going to start the message? I, th I think I did. Uh, but but God, 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 to run into every blessing that he has for you. 
I don't think you understand the joy it gives him to see you blessed. I don't think you understand the, the way it makes him feel to see you overcoming. That's why he sent his son. That's why he's got angels all at your availability. That's why he's setting you up time and time again for victory. He's just waiting for you to experience his goodness. That's how good he is. He's a loving father. And he literally can't wait. He's like a parent who gets that kid, you know, the gift they wanted on Christmas. And you can't wait to see your kid's face when they open up that gift. God can't wait to see your face when you discover blessing after blessing and breakthrough after breakthrough and increase after increase and promotion after promotion. He, he, he's not holding that back from you. He even put his Holy Spirit on the inside of you to lead you right to what he has for you. I don't know if you believe it, but it's true. God loves you so much. He doesn't just have love for you. He is love for you. And I don't know about you, but I'm just going to keep having faith in him. I'm going to keep having faith in Christ. For what, Archie? Well, if I don't have faith in Christ, then I don't even uh, believe salvation is real. I don't believe grace took effect. I don't believe everything I'm saying right now can apply to me. I got to do something. No, Jesus did it all. And when you begin to see this, because you understand it, then you'll be able to live by it. That's what we we're talking about, you know, how right believing is how you live right. Some people are trying to live right so they can get all this stuff from God. And God said, well, you'll live right when you believe right. Did you know that living right is not necessarily getting on your knees and begging God for everything that you need? Somebody said, oh. no, that's not living right. Because if he already provided it for me, my actions, my prayers should express that truth. I don't go to God saying, God, please heal me. I say, God, thank you, I'm healed. That's living right. I don't go to God and say, you know, Lord, I need some money. So the next thing I need to do is I better go put $6,000 in the bucket so I can get, what's six, what's a hundredfold? What's 600,000 back? No, I say, Lord, I'm going to give $6,000 because you told me to and because I love you. There's absolutely nothing wrong with giving. There's absolutely nothing wrong with tithing. But either I'm blessed or I'm not. We got to be careful of this thing of, I have to do all this stuff to get him to do something. That's back to the old way where I want to take pieces of the word and say he's finished this, but not that. I still got to help him with this. God doesn't need your help to bless you. I said God doesn't need your help to bless you. Now, we still pray. We still praise. We still come to church. We still sow. We still do all those things. Why? Because of the finished work. I've, I've literally heard people get told, well, you know, the reason why you're not blessed is because you didn't do this. The only reason why you will be blessed is because you didn't believe. That you, believe what? That you already were. I mean, think about it. If that's my camera back there, 
and I don't believe it's my camera, guess what I'll never receive? That camera. Somebody said, oh, that's too simple. But that's, that's the gospel right there. Jesus provided what you needed because of his body. You just ate that little nasty wafer and drank that juice, proving the fact that it's done. So if that's mine, the only thing for me to do to obtain it is to believe it. And then what? Go get it. Just believe it and go get what's yours. Somebody said, oh, that's just too easy. His yoke is easy and his burden is light because when you're hooked up with him, guess what? He did all the work. That's what makes it easy is he did the work. But I got to do something. If you got to do something, then just put all that effort into believing. Put all that effort into doing what the Bible says. Fight the good fight of faith. That's the fight in your mind that says, I am convinced, I am convicted that what he did took. It worked. That's your fight. Well, I got to go into spiritual warfare. No, your spiritual warfare is indeed convincing yourself that it's done. And then turn around and use that prayer time. Use what the, the power that God has given you just like Jesus did. How many times did you see Jesus praying for himself? How many times did you see Jesus going to God saying, heal me? How many times did you see Jesus saying, Lord, I need to, you know, me and the boys, we got some needs and we need to figure out where we're going to stay this week. So can you give us a little lease money? I mean, show me. All that power, all that ability that Jesus had, what was it for? It was for ministering to others. Why? Because he already knew everything concerning him was taken care of. I've said it over and over again that when we read um, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's so much to receive in there, and I'm absolutely not preaching against that at all. I am telling you, though, for those of us who are saved and who are believers, you're looking at the wrong persons in the story. You're saying you're the woman with the issue of blood or you're the, you're the uh, uh, Mary at the feet of Jesus or you're this person or that person and you have Christ on the inside of you and you are united with him. You're the Christ in the story. You're the one who already has. You're the one with the power. But we keep trying to put ourselves like we still need something from him. Sure, the Holy Spirit's going to lead us, he's going to guide us, he's going to direct us, but I don't, I don't need God to heal me anymore. I am healed. I don't need God to bless me. I am blessed. He did it. Did you hear what I said? He has already done it. So stop going back and reading those stories and parables as you're the one who's the sinner. By the way, that's what those people were. Christ hadn't died yet. You keep making yourself the center in the story. Unless you're not, now if you ain't saved in here, that, yeah, that's you. But if you're saved, you're not the center. You ought to be going back and looking at those uh, uh, stories and those words to say, this is how I'm supposed to be ministering to the sinners. This is how I'm supposed to be leading them to him. His life 
was the example, and we say it and see how we've taken part of it, and it's partly true, but we haven't put the other part with it. We take the part and say, I want to live like Christ. And so we go look at what Jesus did, but then when it comes to the supernatural, miraculous stuff, we're like, yeah, I, I, I'm not ready for that yet. I haven't achieved the level to do that. No, his life, the way he ministered, the way he preached, the way he lived, the way he prayed, that's what you and I are supposed to be taking from that. Once you're saved. Jesus constantly got along with God and spent time with God. And that's how he got his download. And, you know, and some people freaked out when I said, you know, what you doing just at the feet of Jesus? That was, that was where all the sinners were at. The people who needed something from him, you see person after person going to him and definitely saying, hey, you're the answer. You did that when you got saved. You went to that foot of the cross. You went to the foot of Jesus. And then, but, but however, once you were saved, you received not some, all of what he had to give you. So I'm just going to be honest with you, church. To continue to try to stay in that spot, you're in the way of somebody else. That's somebody else's spot. You're saved. But I still need to receive from Jesus. What do you need to receive from him? He gave you everything now you're supposed to be ruling with him and about what the bible says we're united with him when he rose he rose us up with him now we didn't earn it we didn't deserve it but we got it so now that i have all of this from him the question should now be not how do i go get more from him Lord, I want more of you. He like, I don't, I don't have nothing left to give you. I gave you everything. <laughs> Lord, I want more anointing. You are anointed. See, I know this messes up some of our songs we sing, and it messes up some of our sermons we preach, but God, not just God, creation is waiting for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God. That's people who already know who they are. That's people who already, who already understand. I'm a king. I'm a queen. I'm a ruler. So I'm going to think like it. I'm going to live like it. I'm going to act like it. Because I have all of who he is, not just up there somewhere, living on the inside of me. When you got saved, that old spirit man died, the new spirit man moved in, and that new spirit man has the Holy Ghost sealed all over it. You are sealed. The Bible says Jesus was sealed. We looked at this a couple weeks ago. This is all to recap. We looked at this a couple weeks ago. The Bible said that Jesus was sealed with the Holy Spirit. And when you look at that word sealed, it has other scriptures that apply to it, and it goes right to the next scripture, scripture saying how we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're sealed the same way Jesus was, with the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had, so everything that he could do, you can do too. And that's just the truth. The question is, is do you believe it? Because if I believe it, I'm going to talk like it. If I believe it, I'm going to walk like it. And if I believe it, I come to the conclusion, wait a minute, what else is there for me to do for me? Nothing. 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 I should have made that the title of this message. Nothing. 
Now, for some of us, we kind of freak out on that because our whole lives, there was something we had to do so something could change in our lives. He did it all. He did it all. Somebody says, wait a minute now, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, you know I still, I still cuss everybody out half the time. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's because now, now, now we're talking. Now it's about getting into that word, so that, uh, number seven on there, so he can transform your mind. Yeah. Romans 12, 2, God says he takes the responsibility to transform your thinking. Once you're saved, like I said, that spirit is saved and sealed. But that mind, whoo, <laughs> that body, let's just think about it. Did your body change when you got saved? You wanted it to, but it, but, but, but it didn't change. Took a little work, right? Takes a little work, right? <laughs> so still working, still working, that's all right. That's all right. And see, and that's the thing. God's not mad at you because you're in a process. See, that's what we've taught ourselves. That's what we've taught ourselves. Because you're eating that, you're a glutton. You're a God's not mad at you because you're in a process. Stop that guilt and condemnation. And so it is with your body. It's the same thing with that blessed yet dirty mind. Your mind was not saved when you were saved. It was your spirit. So you've been beating yourself up because you can't think differently. And I'm telling you, the only way to think differently is by his word. Let's look at that real quick. Uh, Romans 12, 2, uh, guys, let's look at it in the, uh, I think we'll look at it in Amplified first, and then we'll go to a couple other versions. But, but, but he's not mad at you because you're still working on your mind. Or you're still allowing him to work on your mind. So if you have issues and things going on, you know, you, you, you think you're crazy, you, you might be. But he's working on that. He says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted uh, to its external and superficial customs. Keep going. But be, what's that word? Transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind. By its new ideals and its new, what? Attitude. And that's what we're talking about, about right believing, or having the right attitude comes from right believing. It's this new attitude based on these new beliefs that you have that's going to help you transform. And those new attitudes come from and should come from God. Let's finish this one up. When this transformation, somebody says when. When, when you start this transformation process, that's, that's after you start this transformation process, you will know or prove for yourselves what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Some of us have been trying to discover his will for our lives, but his will for our lives happens after the transformation process. I should reverse those on there. Because once I'm transformed, now I know his will. Once I, let me say that differently. Once I begin the transformation process, now I can begin to know his will. I mean, let's, let's go back to our bodies for a second. The Holy Spirit is saying, don't eat that. Now he started saying that when you got saved. Yeah, he's concerned about everything concerning you. Amen. You know, Sister Dorothy just came up to me uh, before service started, and uh, she's discovered some things concerning her body. We're discovering things concerning our bodies. And the more we are transformed in our thinking, the more we're starting to understand what, our, what to do with our bodies. 
what to eat, what not to eat. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's speaking. He's concerned about every part of you, not just your money. Not just your husband for the future or your wife or, or your kids. He's concerned about you. If you don't take care of you, it ain't going to be no you to get married. <laughs> it ain't going to be no you to work the job. It ain't going to be no you on this earth to manifest or, or to see his manifested blessings. Don't you know that he's concerned about you? So he'll speak to you. But if I don't have a new attitude based on the new beliefs and listening to him, I won't hear him. Now, does that mean I'm going to hell? No. I might get to heaven a little sooner. But he is concerned about everything concerning me. Let's uh, look at this in the, uh, uh, the New Living Translation. So the Holy Spirit will speak to you about that body. He'll say, don't eat this. He'll say, you know, don't do that. And he started saying it from day one. But the question is, is was I able to hear him then? No, my heart may have been a little hard. That's what a hard heart means, by the way. You, you're not able to hear. My heart may have been a little hard. I, I know I like Shipley's. Y'all like, you messing with the wrong stuff. I like my water burger. I like, I, like, I like whatever it is I like to eat. And, 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 and moderation, I don't think, would be bad for any of that stuff. But if that's what you're eating all the time, every time, you're going to see the results in your body. Amen? He said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let who? Let who? Who's my source? Who am I having faith in? Yeah, yeah. He's taken the responsibility to transform me. He did. What's my job? To believe him. So when he says don't do this or don't do that, now I have the choice of whether I'm going to believe him or not. And the more I get to know him and the more I spend time with him, the more I will do what he says because I believe him. And then as I do what he says, I will run into the body that he has for me. I will run into the health that he has for me. My actions didn't manifest it. It was already manifested, but I won't see it and experience it until I let him start the transformation process. He starts the transformation process. I believe, and because I believe, I then do what he said. And as I do what he says, I run into what he has for me every single time. But what's the enemy to that? Well, the enemy to that is unbelief. And let's just stay on our bodies for a moment. And what the devil then, uh, his job is, is to convince you that what God is telling you is a lie. It won't be that bad if you eat that. I remember him telling somebody else that in the beginning. It won't be that bad if you eat that. Didn't turn out well for them, it probably won't turn out well for us. If God said it, then that should settle it. I don't know who this is for, don't raise your hand. <laughs> because I have a whole other set of notes right here. But, but, but you know what, if I can't trust them with something as simple as my physical body, then how can I trust them? with my finances, how can I trust him with my marriage? How can I trust him with my kids? How can I trust him with who, who and what he's called me to be? 
I mean, this is something, this is me. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, I know the real you is your spirit, but you live in this thing. You wake up with the ouches and the oohs and the, oh, oh, you know, walk up a flight of stairs and I can't breathe and I'm sweating and, you know, and all that type of stuff. I mean, that's, that's so, but, but, but there's something on the inside of us that we have to yield to him. And that's not our spirit, because your spirit, you already did that. That's that mind. Because you are a free moral agent. You have the choice to do what you want to do. That was part of his love package to you, was to give you control of you. You show him you love him by saying, I give you control back. I make you Lord of my life. I make you the director of my life. And Lord, if you say that today I got to eat rolled oats and, and, and a couple of eggs for breakfast, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm preaching to myself right now. But thank God, you know, my nutritionist, my nutritionist, she came and, you know, she said, you can have like two slices of bacon. I said, oh, Lord, I can have bacon. <laughs> But, but, but he, you know, he, and, and, and let, me, let me say that. And so I'm going through this process even myself. And, and uh, this nutritionist, she said, you know what? This ain't supposed to be hard for you. I said, you are sent from God. Because <laughs> I've done this a couple of times. And it'd be hard. And this process is, is, is not hard. Why? Because I trusted God. I listened. And then many of you have heard the testimony, and, I, and they're going to be sharing it here soon uh, with uh, Bridget and um, uh, Inyang. And uh, Inyang, you know, being a blessing to Bridget uh, physically. And uh, so Inyang found this nutritionist, our youth pastor, and she shared that information with me. And God said, get on that right now. And I see the old me would have gotten a little pride. Well, Lord, I know how to eat. I know how to, I know how to work out. Actually, I said that for a quick second. He said, but you ain't doing it. <laughs> I was like, oh, fair enough, Lord. What would you like for me to do? <laughs> and man, the workouts are simpler. The food is simple. And it, it, is, it is starting to work. You know, you walk past that mirror and say, oh, Lord, it's, it's a changing. And, and that's, but that's not because of how awesome I was. He already had it all set up. My job was to believe him. Do you know it's that same way with your money? It's that same way with your marriage? It's the same way with your kids? It's the same way with everything concerning you. But you got to allow him to change the way you think. That requires humility. That requires humility. That requires me to put out all my PhD, DDDs, and, 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 and literally say, Lord, you're the expert of my body. I thought I knew. I mean, real talk, y'all. You, we think we know, but look at us. <laughs> we might as well give his way a shot. Don't think that the devil is not trying to use these vessels to disrupt the will of God on this earth. Amen? And I'm not saying we all got to be walking around here looking like a bunch of Abercrombie and Fitch models. I'm just saying... Let's do what he's telling us to do. Can I give this body? Go back to verse 1, by the way. Somebody can please go to the next point. I, I am in a minute. <laughs> Y'all got verse 1 back there? 
Let them be, uh, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, this is Paul talking, uh, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living, somebody say living, living. not a dying, a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, many people read this and just said, no, you, that's why you ain't supposed to sin. Sin is no longer an issue. Jesus took care of that. He's talking about literally taking that body and doing with it what he tells you to. Not just about food and taking all of that, but he's talking about serve me with it. Go where I want you to go, do what I want you to do, say what I want you to say. But he realizes who he's talking to. That's why verse 2 came into effect. He said, so the way you're going to present this body to do my will is I'm going to transform you. Think about that. He took the responsibility. He said, give me your body, but I know you're probably not going to want to, so what I need you to do is submit your will to me so I can change your want to's. And when I change your want to's, I'm going to give you new desires, and that new desire is going to be now to please me with that body. And here you thought you needed 17 steps to learn how to follow the will of the Father. There's just one. Believe him. Believe him. And that applies to everything in your life. If you understand that, say amen. amen. Praise God. So we're talking about having this type of attitude that's submitted to God so that we can rule in that seat that Jesus has us in with him. Because how many of you guys know that Jesus already has this attitude? According to, I think it was, what, Philippians 2 talks about, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, and we looked at that, that word mind means attitude. Attitude is very simply put, wherever my mind is set. Just like the AC in here is set to a certain temperature, your mind has to be set to the truth of God's word. That's reflected in your attitude. You ever had a kid who had a bad attitude? You ever been that kid with the bad attitude? <laughs> Some of y'all are like, no, no, because it was you. Okay. But that mind is set to negative things if you have a bad attitude. But a good mind or a right mind is set to the things of God. If I'm going to rule on earth the way God has designed me to and the way Jesus did, I have to have my mind set to the truth of his word. Now, to have my mind set to the truth of his word, I have to believe his word. Somebody say believe. Here's the question I want to ask you today is, are you believing the good news? No, no, no. I want you to think about it. Are you believing the good news? What is the good news? You tell me. Mm-hmm. 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 Some of that. Mm-hmm. Let me show you what the good news is. We're going to start. We're talking about our faith, though. Go with me to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, we're going to start at uh, verse 1. And uh, let's look at this in the New Living Translation, Hebrews 11. Now, we were talking about this, as, as you guys are getting there, we were talking about this on um, Wednesday. And we were talking about how right believing and faith work together. And I want to adjust something I said uh, Faith doesn't come from right believing. Right believing actually comes from faith. Um, we looked at the uh, Strong's Concordance, and I think, uh, what was it? 
Yeah, faith uh, was G4102 for my studiers in here. You know, you can write that down. And believing was G4100. And actually, when you look at those two words, uh, believing, G4100, comes from the root word G4102. So G4100 is called pistuo. Everybody say pistuo. That word pistuo comes from the word faith, which is pistis. My faith births, for lack of a better word, belief. Let me show you this in the Bible. Hebrews 11.1, 1, are you there? All right, it says faith is the what? Substance. Yes, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Yeah, the New Living Translation says faith is the confidence that what we hope for, that word hope also means expect. Amen? It's what we hope for will actually happen. That's what we were talking about earlier, about knowing that the manifestation is already done. I believe it's done and it actually already happened. It's just now it has to manifest. And it's confidence that it will happen. It gives us assurance about things we what? Cannot see. So if I can see it physically already, it doesn't require faith to do it. I want you to remember that. That's kind of a, for lack of a better word, a rule, one of the primary ones of faith. If I can see it, it requires me no real faith or belief or whatever to, 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 to have assurance in that thing. Why? Because I just saw it. What is it that you're believing God for? Can you already see it? Because if you're believing him for something you can already see, that's, that, that, that's you, you thinking too small. Three of y'all got that. Amen. <laughs> if you can already see it, it's too small. What happened to above all we could actually think? That requires faith. Amen? Verse 3. Uh, oh, sorry, go back, go back. Yeah, uh, through their faith, the people in days of old earned a what? Good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. That's all my manifestation, y'all. What you're going to see will come from what can't be seen, and your faith is the force that moves it into the natural. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave, what's that word? It gave evidence that he was a righteous man. What? One could be righteous even before Christ had died? Interesting. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Verse 5. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up into heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without what? Faith is the substance of things. Hope for it. It's based on evidence of things that you can't see. So, so far, all these people 
displayed that, and that's why it's using them as an example. It's impossible to please God without that faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must what? Believe that God exists. Now somebody said that's too simple. But, it, but it's not. Because if I want to come to God and receive my healing, I got to believe there's a God to come to. That's why this thing in this world, our world right now, with the uh, agnosticism and all this other stuff and everything like that, that's why that stuff is so dangerous because it's messing with your belief in God who is God. Not a God, not a higher power. No, I'm talking about Jehovah. Amen? He is, and he is a rewarder. Keep going. He rewards those who sincerely seek him. Verse 7, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat, or the ark, to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about uh, things that had never happened before. Again, stuff that wasn't seen, but he heard it in his heart, and he believed it. By faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness, there it is again, that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went uh, without knowing where he was going. Verse 9. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Verse 10. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by who? By God. So who's the author of all of this? Who's the architect so far of all of this? God. And these men so far, they believed in who? They saw who as their source. And they were called righteous because of it, correct? How did we know that they have faith in God? It said a couple of times in here, they obeyed them. They heard what he said to do, and he, they did it because they realized he was their source. It was by faith that even Sarah, women, it ain't leaving y'all out either. Even Sarah was able to have a child. Now, I don't know if you have faith for that right now, but, but though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. Again, the enemy's job is to make you doubt that God will keep his promise. The enemy's job is to make you think that it's not finished, that what he told you was a mistake, that maybe you missed him somewhere along the way because you don't see it happening the way you want it to happen. There's not a person's name that we said so far that didn't make a mistake somewhere along the way, that didn't see some trouble along the path of trusting God. Amen? I mean, Noah saw some trouble, amen? I mean, Abraham saw some trouble, amen? Sarah showed up. They saw some trouble, amen? As a matter of fact, last time I checked, they went and got somebody else pregnant trying to do this on their own. Think about that. You think God mad at you for the stuff you've done? No, God's not mad at you because you make a mistake at all. God requires us just to have faith. These two, Abraham and Sarah, they, they, they lied to that king, uh, then they turned around and uh, even, I don't know if it was before or after that, but they, um, who was it, Hagar. Hagar, one of their servants, uh, Abraham slept with her 
And then they had uh, Ishmael, which is causing problems to this day. I mean, they messed some stuff up. But here they are in the, in, in, in the Hall of Faith fame, <laughs> saying that they were righteous. And you think God mad at you because you drunk something yesterday. <laughs> no, for real. But that's what we do because we're looking at the wrong source. God is the one who makes the call. And the question is, do you believe in him? I, I, I told y'all several times, y'all gonna get to heaven, you're gonna be surprised who you see there. You're gonna be shocked. Even I should have had more fun when I was down there. Because <laughs> if that joker made it, I know what they was doing. But they had faith in God. That's a whole nother message. We'll get to that later. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, talking about Abraham, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashores, there is no way to count them. Verse 13, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised? Well, what in the world was promised? The Savior. Pause for a second. Do you realize that all these people were having faith in God and believing God, but they couldn't believe in Jesus because he wasn't given? Christ hadn't been given. And the cross had all that stuff on the cross. None of that had happened. So these were people, by the way, who did not believe in the law. How come? It wasn't even written. These were people hanging out with God, having to believe God. I said, these were people hanging out with God, very simply put, having to have faith in God as their source. And yet, they were calling them righteous. And here we try to act like by doing the, 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 the 613 commandments will be righteous. That ain't what the word says. It says they agree. Oh, sorry. Uh, go back to the one before this. All these people died still believing what God had promised. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance. Their faith. They was like, I believe in God and I believe that there is a Savior. But they couldn't believe on him because he hadn't shown up yet. And the cross hadn't happened. They saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were form, uh, foreigners and nomads here on earth. Verse 14. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can still call their own. 15. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back, in verse 16. But they were looking for a what? A better place. A heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. God is not ashamed to be called your God. God is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of you because of your mistakes. He's not ashamed of you because of your past. That's not who he is. That's not who he was before the law, and that's not who he is now. God loves you. So you might as well have faith in your God. Go to verse 32. Verse 32. 
and then uh, we'll go down to verse 39. Now, we're going to be covering a lot of scriptures in this, y'all, because you know, we, we believe the Bible, right? Amen. Y'all don't listen to the Bible when y'all go to sleep, do you? If you do, you might not want to. You might be conditioning yourself to go to sleep in church. <laughs> I'm just saying. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, and the Word was with. <laughs> and then you wonder why every time you come to church and the temperature's just right, and the, and, the, and, the, and the pew is hitting just right, that you pass out in the first five minutes. I'm just saying. It might not just be about the peace, you know, of God. You know, amen. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith, of the faith of Gideon and Barak and uh, Samson. Somebody said, Barack Obama? No, that's a different Barack. <laughs> Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. Just in case you were doubting, when I say we're rulers, ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, keep going, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again uh, from, from death, but others were tortured. Somebody said, wait, this was good up until that point. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. This is some of the foundations of what faith is. Are you convinced that God loves you? Are you convinced that you have an assurance that he will perform and do every single one of his promises? Because these people did it without Christ. You have grace. Christ, the truth. Now they experienced grace because that's why they're in this deal right here is because God was like, oh, you keep screwing up, but it's good. I still love you. See, that's what people, by the way, don't realize is grace didn't just, you know, show up in the New Testament. You can see it all throughout the Bible. I mean, because if it was all law-based and it's that, that's how God worked, as soon as Abraham and Sarah did what they did, they should have been canceled out. If sin disqualifies you from God's love. If sin disqualifies you from his righteousness. Didn't you just read all these people were declared righteous? But they messed up, right? And there was no Christ to save them. But you and I have Christ. Let me show you something. Go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 12. Now see, all this that we're talking about, all of this affects how we believe. All of this affects our attitude. And if I don't have a good anchor foundation and who I am and who God is and what faith is and what belief is and how this all works together, then when it comes to going out there and, and, and being as Jesus was, I'm going to struggle in some areas. It, say this, it says, uh, this way of faith is very different from the way of the what? Law, which says, 
It is through obeying the law that a person has what? Life. Uh, go to uh, verse 13. The way of faith is very, I'm oh, sorry, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on a cross, the law was no longer in effect for you and I. You and I no longer have to fear the curse. Say this with me. Say, I am, I am not, cursed. not cursed. Why is that? Because God loved you so much that he gave you a savior. Now, we have, let's go back to verse 1 in the same chapter. Let me show you something. Now, because we have Christ, there is something better that we have that they didn't have. And Galatians 3 talks about this in detail. It says, oh, foolish Galatians. Now, Paul is writing to the church in Galatians. He said, oh, foolish Galatians, who, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Verse 2. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Church of Houston, did you receive <laughs> the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Verse 3. How, f I'm not, you know, Paul saying this now. Don't y'all get mad at me and write me letters. He called us a fool today. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit, after getting saved? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? That's the Bible, right? He said you got saved in faith, so why are you now trying to live without faith in the ones who saved you? Verse 4, have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Verse 5, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Verse 6, in the same way, now we're back to Abraham. Abraham believed God. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. How many of you guys got faith in God? Amen. Verse 8. What's more, the scripture looked forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles, that's us, to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago. He said, all nations will be blessed through you. He's talking about through his bloodline, through his lineage. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Verse 10. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, go back. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing. You see that? We talked about faith in God earlier. Now we're talking about faith in Christ, because God promised Abraham 
It's through your seed the earth is going to be blessed. And he's talking about it's through Jesus they're going to be blessed. So now it's not just about having only faith in God. i got to have faith in Christ. As I'm having faith in Christ, I share the same blessing Abraham received again because of his faith. That's almost too simple to be true, but it is true. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. Whoa. You've been trying to figure out why things aren't happening right in your life. Are you trying to live by the law? I'm not making this up. It's as simple as what we just read. Why is everything failing in my life? Why aren't things going right? Are you still trying to be right with God by trying to do everything right? Or are you believing in what Christ has already done? God's not cursing you. You're getting up under a system that operates by curses based on behavior. Whereas under grace, you are under a system that operates by blessings because of Christ's behavior. Because of what Jesus did when he came to this earth, we're blessed. I can live under that system because I have faith in Christ, or I can get up under the old system. It's my choice. Remember I said that at the beginning. I can get up under the old system, and I'll be cursed. Well, what about if I want a little bit of both of them? No, this isn't like a mixed drink. No, you, you either over here or you over there. You can't have a little bit of both of them. Amen? Because that makes you a double-minded person, and guess what? That person ain't getting nothing. Now, now, again, this is not what we're making up. This is, this is what a lot of people are struggling with today, this performance-based Christianity. We've created a new Ten Commandments, or a, not a new Ten Commandments, a new uh, law in 600 and... Uh, Three commandments that says, I got to do all of this to be right. Sure, we don't walk into church no more and really see the commandments sitting up there anymore, but it's almost inferred that if you don't give, you know you're going to be messed up. If you don't pray, you're going to be this. If you, if you don't come to church every week, you're going to be that. We've created a whole new set of rules. Tell me what church did Abraham go to? I'll wait. Are you saying something wrong going to church? No, I just said that uh, 30 minutes ago that going to church is great. But I don't go to church to be blessed. I'm blessed because of what Christ did. I go to church to learn more about that. I go to church to be used by God because, again, I already got everything that the blessing has to offer me. So we got to be careful as these new believers that we're not creating a whole new set of rules that makes us feel good because we achieve them. Because what about the ones who are struggling to achieve them? What about the lady who didn't have gas money to make it to church today? You know what she feels because of your rules? Condemnation and shame. That she's not doing something right. That's why she didn't have $5 to put in her gas tank is because God's mad at her. Because she had to feed her kids yesterday. You know what? God loves her just as much as he loves you. And she is not disqualified because she didn't pay her tithes this week because she had to pay her rent. Oh, some of y'all don't want to hear this. You're getting mad because you finally got to the point that you're giving your 10% every week. Well, thank God for that. 
You're maturing in him. And you've gotten to the point that now you believe him and you're actually, after 30 years, doing what he said to do. But she just got saved two years ago and she's still trying to figure this thing out. And she doesn't know how to do this on her own. She doesn't know how to walk this out. And the last time she showed up at that church, everybody made her feel funny so she couldn't ask a sister or a brother, hey, somebody please disciple me and show me how you're doing what you do. No, because we like to act like we just got it together. And when everybody come in, God forbid, if you don't have on your suit and your shirt ain't tucked in and you don't look a certain way, then you must be of the devil. Come on, y'all. If you're depending on the law, these rules to make you right, you can forget it. And I'm just, I'm just done. I'm done with the faith that says, if I have to achieve this certain level in order to receive from God. Because what's happened is, is the compassion and the passion of Christ has gotten on the inside of me. And I say, wow, well, praise God that me and my family can do that. But now I look and say, but what about them who can't? There's something wrong with this. And guys, I've been, I've been saved for 40 years. And I've tried it all these different ways. And I go back and I look and I say, man, we do this program and we do that program to try to get them where we are. And guess what? It never works. Did you hear what I said? It never sticks. You want to know why? Because they already are where you are because they got Christ and they got everything available that you got. But what it is is we don't tell them that truth. And so they go working, trying to work it out on their own, and they struggle day after day because they don't know the truth of his word, that if you just have faith in God, if you just have faith in Christ, you'll begin to submit that will to him instead of submitting it to what that crooked pastor told you or whoever else told you and just do what he's saying to do then you'll end up where he's telling you to end up at, and then you'll have what he's already supplied for you. God is your supply, not you, not your good works, not the law, it's God. And if our attitudes don't adjust to this, we'll find ourselves believing in the wrong things. There used to be a time where my, my whole attitude about church has changed, y'all. I mean, I knew what I was supposed to do since I was a kid, and I was going to be a preacher, da, 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 da. and everything about church was about achieving certain levels and certain things so you could one day be who God has called you to be. And now I'm like, y'all just as anointed as I am. You may not be called to the same exact role, but this role is no greater than yours. Don't come worshiping a pastor, and that means we got to dance and perform for y'all and all that. Is anybody doing all that? Got to show up to pray for everything. You pray. I, I don't mind praying for you. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, though, is that you have the same anointing on the inside of you. But because we've created this big picture that says, ooh, if you want to have a car like them or you want to have a house like them or you want to uh, have people fall out like them, then this is what you've got to do. No, first of all, half that stuff fake. Do you own that stuff? Because some, some of these people that's putting this big image, I love what Dr. Dollar teaches us about, about, about as pastors. He was like, listen, don't 
be trying to create images. Because those images hurt people. Because they try to pattern themselves after that. I want you to be all of who God wants you to be. Who did he tell you to be? You don't need to look like me. I don't need nobody looking like me. I don't need nobody looking like Pastor Melissa. Be you. Be better than us. That's, that's who we're supposed to be. Now, that's not to dishonor the role of a pastor or anyone else. I'm just trying to help y'all understand that, that this is not the way God looks at who set up this hierarchy thing. It wasn't him. Last time I checked, he, he, said, all them, he said all them roles equally. But somewhere along the way, we, we, we started setting up this system that had us putting faith in people more than him. And we're wondering why churches are struggling today, why this generation and the last generation and the generation even before that looks at church and says, I want them to do that. I used to be a youth pastor for years. We were talking about that then. Now this generation doesn't want anything to do with church because church seems so fake and phony and da-da-da-da. You know what it was? Now we changed lights, we changed this, we made uh, praise and worship and all of that more young and exciting. Uh, we did all these things to cater to what we thought the generation wanted, but you know all what they want? They just want a relationship with Jesus. That's what they want. If you can let people come into the church and teach them the truth, teach them the good news, that's all they want. And then they'll begin to discover who they are. And then the fulfillment will happen. And then they can go out and do what God has called them to do. I refuse to be emotionally driven as a church. I can add 17 screens up here and do all of this and have lights blinking at you and have giving you seizures. We can do all of that. And don't get me wrong, there's a, there's a place for, you know, some of that stuff. But there are churches that got five minutes of word and an hour of worship. And you got the worship leader is the one that people are hearing more than the guy who's going to, or the gal who's going to stand up and teach and preach the actual good news. Because people are going to church for a feeling. I don't know about you. I don't want to go to church for a feeling. I want to go to church to receive understanding. That's what we said, all I get is get understanding. Why? Because I need to be living in the blessing and not under this curse. I ain't got time for no curses. Let's keep going. Yeah, let me say this. I, I didn't forget I had this preacher that told me. He said, how long do you preach? I said, uh, it's about an hour. That's what, at least that's what the clock say. <laughs> it's about an hour. He said, ooh. He wasn't trying to be racial or nothing like that, but he, he was, he was uh, being honest, he's a uh, guy from Brazil, but he's a white guy from Brazil. Uh, and, and if I said his name, you would know who he is. They've got a pretty large church. They've got a couple of them around here. And uh, he said, oh, he said, I can't do that. I said, why not? He said, yeah. I, I, I said, how long do you preach? He said, 22 minutes. <laughs> I said, that's communion. I mean, how was... <laughs> you know, But you know why he told me this? Now, I was floored. I thought he was about to have some deep revelation, you know, about how within that 22 minutes he receives 22 points from God and he walks it out and da-da-da-da. You know his reason for that? He said, because my people 
and his congregation is predominantly white, so nothing against my white brothers and sisters in here. But that's what he said. He said, my people, he said, you know, white people, they can't sit that long. And it broke my heart. I was like, wait a minute. First of all, how you gonna be like racist against your own people? But that's another story. But it was just like, you're literally robbing the people of God from revelation and truth because they're not conditioned to sit and hear the word? 22 minutes? Now, if that's what God tells you to do, I've seen people do messages in three minutes and it'd be powerful because that's what God said to do. But to set a condition that we're going to be in here for 22 minutes because I'm scared that people are going to get up and leave? What if they stay and their lives are transformed? What if they actually are there long enough to get full understanding of a concept so that they can go home and now live it? instead of going home with an inspirational speech that goes back to here's what you need to do to be blessed. Because a lot of times those short messages, that's what they're really about. They're, they're about really just making you feel good so you know if you go do these three steps, you'll be good to go. I'm sorry, I just can't bottle Jesus. I can't bottle Christ. I can't bottle grace into just a few things so that you can feel good. The last I checked, though, whenever we talk about the truth in this house, I feel good every time. Amen. I don't know about you, I feel good right now. I feel good looking at the scriptures and walking through it and seeing truth. I feel good getting an understanding that I didn't have before. I feel good when I go back and watch these things on YouTube and get even more insight and understanding. I feel good knowing that my Savior has already saved me. I feel good knowing that he's healed me. I feel good knowing that the finished works of Jesus is in effect in my life and that the law is no longer in effect. I feel good about the good news. You should feel good too. All right, now let's go to the next uh, part of that. It says, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written uh, in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. That, that if, you can, if you can, you need to underline that, highlight that, and everything like that. That's, that's bottom line. I'm not made right with God by trying to keep the law. How am I made right with God? Through Christ, through what Jesus did. For the scriptures say, keep going, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. We just looked at all them people who have faith and they were, it was counted to them as righteous as it was of Abraham. Verse 12. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When did this happen? It, it, it's not a trick question, right there. When did this happen? When he was hung on a cross. He took upon himself the curse. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just like Christ gave you all of him and there's nothing more to give, he took that curse that you're trying to live up under. He took it. That you think God is applying to you. 
because you didn't do something? He took it. He took all of it. He took the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed you and me, the Gentiles, with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit. How do I get it? Through faith. Last two. Uh, dear brothers and sisters, here's an example for everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irre irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. Not his children, his child. You know who came from Abraham? Jesus. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children, keep going, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, and that, of course, means Christ. This is important. Verse 17. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years ago. I mean, sorry, 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. So 430 years before the law came, God had made a promise to bless the world through Christ. And just because the law came into effect, this is saying it did not cancel out what he had already promised. If that was the case, God would be make, breaking his promise. Are you seeing that? Because many people think the law now X's out what he promised Abraham and all of us as Gentiles through Christ. No, that wasn't what happened. Verse 19. Uh, yeah, 18, sorry. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God, there's that word, graciously gave to Abraham as a promise. Verse 19. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people what? Do you see that? The law wasn't given for me to supposed to try to live by. The law was given to me so I can see that I needed a savior. The law was given to show you your sins. Now don't, 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 don't think about that any deeper than what it is. If there's no speed limit signs out there on Highway 6, how would you know what speeding was? How would you know what the speed limit is? You wouldn't. You need a posting of the law to tell you what's wrong. How fast is too fast? The law is a posting of what was wrong to show man this is what's right, this is what's wrong. And when we saw, I keep doing the wrong stuff. I need some help. Enter Jesus. It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Verse 20. But the law was designed to last only until, there it is, the coming of the child who was promised. Who was that child? The law was only supposed to last till when? Till who? Till what? Yeah, once Jesus came on the scene, 
the law until the child, the law, was then canceled out for you and I. So if you're trying to live by the law, you're living by old system. If you're trying to create a new law and create new rules for you to do stuff by, you're living by self-effort. And there's a better way. There's an easier way. There's a simpler way. And that way is Jesus. We have to have faith in God. We have to set our minds to have faith in Christ. And in doing that, we can finally begin to set this attitude in the way that God has for those who are going to rule with him. But I don't want you to feel like oh, you got to rush and try to become perfect, whatever like that. No, just start today with the truth. Amen. That Jesus has finished it all, God has done it all, I'm done with the law. I'm done with the law. I'm done with performance-based Christianity. I'm going to now decide to study this word to see what God has done for me. I'm going to let that fuel my belief. I'm going to let that fuel my actions. I'm making a decision today that I trust God. If you agree with that, say amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise on that. So on Wednesday night, we'll, we'll, we'll come back and we'll talk about that a little bit more and talk about even more the relationship of faith and belief. And I'm telling you, by the time we're done with this part of this series, man, you're going to be so charged up and full of faith that nothing will be able to stand in your way. Amen? Amen. Let me pray over you as we get ready to uh, transition on out. Father, I just thank and praise you right now for your word. In your way. I thank you Amen. for what Jesus has already done. I thank you, Lord, that you put this plan Father, I just thank and praise you right now. And I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that your grace is sufficient. I thank you, Lord, that you are enough. And we make a decision today to have faith in you and only you. And we'll give you all the glory out and praise for the results that come from this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God another hand clap of praise.